0: So, podcast action today with Kim and Dave. Uh, we're going to talk about rehab, prehab, and everything in between. Kim Kukin, Dave Santa Maria, say hello. Everyone introduce yourselves. Give us a little brief background.
1: My name is Dr. Dave Santa Maria. I'm the owner of Tinton Falls Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. I've been practicing physical therapy for about eight years. I got into the profession because I was a high school college athlete and I actually went to college for business have a marketing degree but I didn't feel comfortable doing the sales I didn't feel like that was my passion and I knew I wanted to kinda of take a little aspect of that but also still be involved with physical wellness and take that athletic side I've developed over the years and my kind of affinity for interacting with people and trying to be positive with people, and I thought physical therapy kind of combined all those aspects, so that's why I went down that career path. So what's
0: your sports background?
1: I wrestled at Christian Brothers Academy, and then I wrestled at University of Virginia and Rider.
0: Any notable athletes that you wrestled?
1: not me <laughs> where are you no. I'll just uh, huh? keep it to myself keep it to
0: yourself <laughs> come on man we've got a lot of there it'd be kind of cool
1: to say I, I would definitely have to check the records for sure but okay. I, I might have had a match or two with uh, Chris Spieler cool very cool yeah I it could definitely wasn't
2: me because there's no way that I, I could ever participate in wrestling because there's just no one to blame yeah. <laughs> when you're on the mat and you lose, you're the only person to blame. I it's say. just you. Yeah, it's I can't true. say that somebody, you know, oh, well, you know, Johnny missed that block or so and so. Rob let, let that grounder go between his legs and then bottom of the seventh. Other than that, we would won. Who cares if I took a collar and, you know, struck out four times? You know, you, couldn't, you can't blame anybody in wrestling. So no, it, can, all, it
1: can be lonely out there sometimes.
2: Yeah, especially when you're on your back.
1: That is the loneliest
2: <laughs> place to be. So what's your, uh, uh, tell everybody your, uh, uh, the name of your the name of your business and your, your location, so on and so forth. We are called Tintin Falls Orthopedic and Sports
1: Physical Therapy, and also located within our practice is Tintin Falls Acupuncture, and we are located at 656 Shrewsbury Ave, Tinton Falls, New Jersey. And then we have...
3: I'm Dr. Kimberly Kukin, um, most people know me as Kim, um, <laughs> and um, I practice with Dave at Titton Falls Ortho and Sports PT. Um, I've been practicing for about 18 years now, and I got into the field because I just feel a natural gravitation towards helping people, and I loved science as a kid and growing up, and I loved working with my hands and just really helping connect with people. and working with people who've been compromised with things either functionally in their lives or in their quality of life, and just being a part of their healing process has been a great, um, a really great gift and a great thing to be a part of. So um, again, I've been practicing for about 18 years and I've kind of, through those 18 years, dabbled in some things to enhance my skills and my practice as a therapist. So during my courses of training, I've um, gotten more and focused into manual physical therapy, so a lot of different techniques including um, joint manipulation, dry needling, cupping, um, joint mobilizations in general, um, and a lot of other different types of myofascial release techniques and things of that nature, um, which I tend to incorporate in a lot of my patient care um, and what their needs are specifically and also just generally orthopedics. I've done a lot of advanced training and certifications in orthopedics moving through my career. So focusing on sports and different types of athletes out there between singular athletes like wrestling or team sports like lacrosse or now the adult athletes in CrossFit and other types of physical training. Um, It's really been honing my skills in and I've found that it's a really great niche of my skill set to help provide um, performance enhancement and other types of preventative measures in the community for our athletes. So...
0: And what's your sports background?
3: My sports background is... Fishing? Um, I love sports fishing. Yes. <laughs> that's true. Kim and was the homecoming queen. I was the homecoming queen in high Yay. school. fame to fame. Yes. Shocker. I Not. Know. And... Um, and... <laughs> I was also Miss Manusquan High School too, as well. Wow! That so was a good competition. Year. We cleaned, was tough yes, we too. Cle- we cleaned up junior year for the titles, and um, <laughs> also uh, field hockey. I was an avid field hockey player and soccer player, um, and
0: and so what got you into into PT? What was the uh, path?
3: So the path was, I just really loved science. I loved anatomy. I loved the movement of the human body. I always found the human body nothing shy of a miracle in how we move. Um, The simplest of things always amazed me, how you literally squat down to pick something up and all the things that it takes to be able to achieve that from what our brain tells our body to do in order to actually execute that task. I always loved the breakdown of that and trying to learn more about how the body moved and then being able to take all of those you know applications and knowledge of your anatomy and the science and actually applying it to help people um, I've always just felt a, like I said a natural gravitation towards being able to help people in some way so I think I kind of went into it with an open mind saying oh I'll, I'll start taking the courses in physical therapy and see how it goes and here I am now 18 like 18 years later doing what I love
2: I thought I was going to, when I was in college. I thought I was going to, you know, gravitate towards kind of, a, you know, an, an anatomy and and uh, you know, health and fitness. And I took one class. It was it was study abroad, and it wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. So I thought it was more of an anatomy class, and it ended up and I ended up in France. <laughs> so it was kind of weird. Uh, anyway, you guys talk about you know, and and just you know, just trying to add a little levity. You know, I, I always hear folks talk about their practice, practice. How long are you guys going to practice until you really get it? You know. Yeah,
1: I, I think it's just a work in progress all the time. <laughs> you know, unless somebody comes in and 100% of your patients are getting better on the first day, it's you're still practicing. Well,
2: right. You know, I mean, so, obviously it was a little bit of a joke. But uh, yeah, I mean it, it, everything I as far you as to the, explain them they're yeah, not that good. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I apologize.
3: And I think every patient, I mean, not one patient is the same alike. You might have two patients that have shoulder impingement, okay? But they could present completely differently with the same type of maybe working diagnosis or functional diagnosis. um, and they could do different they could perform differently, they could have different goals, and every situation is always so different. And I think you're always constantly learning and and you're always like trying to master what you do. And that's why I think I'll be learning the rest of my life when it comes to physical therapy because, you know, practices change. We evolve. We evolve as people, you know. And that, and that's
2: actually a good segue to one of my questions about uh, protocols. So uh, uh, with respect to the same injury, I mean, two, two similar people can have the same exact injury. Is the, protocol, is the protocol the same, you know, or is it based on their goals and needs? Uh, how, does that, how does that work? I don't
1: think that, <clears throat> the way that we practice it, there is no protocol for an injury. Every person, patient, client that comes in is an individual, so everything is handled on a one-off basis. Everything is customized to whatever that patient's needs and goals are. So body types are, are going to be different, strength is going to be different, and goals are going to be different. So. In our practice, there is no protocol. It's everything is specific and customized for that
2: per, that person or that one patient. Good. I, I like to hear that because I've had, you know, numerous injuries, too many to even, I mean, it would take up the, the rest of this podcast. But, uh, you know, I've had situations where, you know, I go into a physical therapy facility and, 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 and quickly left that physical therapy facility because it's, Okay, we're going to heat you up and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and it's like you look around and see the same thing happening with everybody and 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 as you said, you know, everybody's goals are different and it's refreshing to hear that it's a case by case situation that you handle things on and, and based on person's needs, goals, strengths, so on and so forth. But, you know, there's a lot of physical therapy facilities out there that do have a protocol and you're just checking you're just checking a box. Okay, we're gonna do, you know, you have a shoulder injury, so you're gonna do six way, or you're gonna do this, or you're gonna do that, and then we're gonna heat, you, and we're gonna, um, you know, we're gonna heat you, and then we're gonna ice and stim. And by the way, this is our first uh, first episode with uh, uh, with Dave and Kim. When our, uh, uh, I think we're gonna call this uh, every month. We're gonna call it Ice and Stim with Dave and Kim, kind <laughs> of, a, you know, little takeoff on what they what what they what they do, uh, and uh, uh, so, but it's nice to hear that, you know, I mean a lot of physical therapy places out there it's just you know you're checking boxes okay well they've got a shoulder injury okay let's let's leaf through the shoulder injury yeah. here's that the happens. protocol here you go you give it to an ex-phys and he takes it you know he takes you into the, in, into the exercise area and you're just doing the same you doing the same exercise as somebody who may be fifty five, sixty, not that I'm not that close to that, but fifty five or sixty <laughs> and just want to get back you know. They just want them to get behind their computer back at work, you know, or to drive the right. you know, to make their commute, you know, where where other people have a uh, lot now, of different goals.
0: How feasible is that type of approach as far as general population goes? That, I mean it must have its place a little bit.
1: Like the protocol approach or the yeah. I mean I think with every PT and one of the things that we we're talking about with like it being a practice you kind of develop some guidelines and you accumulate experiences sure. and that becomes your clinical expertise and you're saying to yourself okay well this is similar in these ways and I know that worked for those five patients in a row so with every shoulder patient you're kind of doing your own personal case studies right or, or and then you're compiling those case studies so You're saying, all right, these things kind of work, so let me kind of go down that path. And, you know, there might be some consistencies with treatment, and you're going to kind of start in the same spot or similar spots as you have in the past. So, I mean, I think on some level there's consistencies but not protocols or or, or exactly identical cases.
3: Well, and I think, too, another piece to this um, is that, especially in our practice, um, we really try to focus on patients' response to treatment. So, uh, we might see the same presenting situations, but every day is different. Yeah. Every patient is different. That's the one thing I, I noticed different. that you
0: guys do that is, is different. And I haven't been to a lot of places, but I've been mm-hmm. to a few, and, and it's very um, what works best for the person, and not just mm-hmm. we do this, this is what we do, you know, heat, stem, and then, you know, mm-hmm. something manual, where you're really like, all right, we're doing this thing, and you seem to react well to that type of therapy, and that was really refreshing.
3: Well, we try to treat the whole person, okay? And that's based on our (laughs) clinical experience, the evidence in our practice and field that we correlate good outcomes with as well. And, you know, our clinical intuition is always there too and our skill set. But that's constantly evolving. And, you know, having our patients come in, if we don't listen to our patients and see what their needs are, we all have to have common goals, you know, therapists and patients. And I think we do a very good job at trying to be, you know, active listeners and getting our patients to what their needs are and how we're able to deliver that. You know, our skill set to them to help them get to that place.
2: What about your experience with uh, other therapies? I mean, you've been have injuries before, which caused you prior to you know uh, uh, having your own practice, caused you to seek out physical therapy and and any any uh, any war stories or horror stories or things maybe that you've learned from other locations. Hey, you know what? That was actually you know that was actually good obviously you can't teach bedside manner which you know i think both of you i i, I i'm one of your patients you know i try to be there three times a, three times a week and it was very comfortable for me going in and, and and you know met you first first here in our long branch our long branch facility and uh, during a, one of the our open workouts and Immediately, I mean, from a personality perspective, I mean, it couldn't have gotten any better. So, uh, and I appreciate that. But uh, uh, outside of be- outside of you know some uh, some bedside manner, any any things that you guys learned from uh, some other therapy facilities or some things that you know some do's or don'ts?
1: Well, I, I I've fortunately not had too many injuries. I just had physical therapy once when I was a senior in high school for like four weeks, and I was good to go on the shoulder. Uh-huh. It was pretty protocolish, but at 17, you don't really know any better. But I have worked in offices where the focus is volume, and you're forced to see four to six patients in an hour. And you're doing what you have to do to make your employer happy. But and check that box. Check that box. But in the back of my mind, I knew this isn't fair to the patient. It's not fair to me as a practitioner because. I can't deliver the care I want and the patient isn't getting the care that they deserve. Yeah. So, so they didn't
2: issue a cattle prod when you were in, you were in college? Like, <laughs> okay, next. Not quite, but <laughs> that's sometimes what it felt like when I worked for some of the other
1: yeah. other offices. and I just knew that's not how I wanted to practice, how I wanted my practice to run, which caused me to shift over to the model that we have now. How fast do you think a therapist
0: would burn out with that type of model?
1: Man, I, you, I I worked cr- a crazy. I did crazy volume sometimes where I didn't have a uh, an assistant. So, like, I would see like s- four to six patients an hour, and I would have to get all my ice and heat, and clean all the tables, and change all the pillowcases, and all that. Wow. It was a it was a sprint. I mean, I needed <laughs> roller skates to get around the office some days. <laughs> like I, I mean, a, f- a few years, yeah, a couple yeah. of years. I did it for like three or four so, years. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm um, just not, you know, something that makes you feel good. You know, no, because
1: you're just like trying to get through the day, and then when their patients leave, you just collapse. And I'm like yelling across the room, like, "You do that one. You do that one. Remember what you did last time? You do that, and then you yeah. do that." It wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling for me or yeah. rewarding, you know. And I don't think I was having the impact that I knew I could have, given the opportunity to provide one-on-one care. What about you, Doctor
2: Kim?
3: Well, do I have a story? So, (laughs) I always have a story. I don't know if it's a good one or a bad one, but I always have one. You tap Um, into that story. So, a couple of years ago, I unfortunately had to undergo neck surgery or cervical spine surgery for a large, very large herniated disc that unfortunately had caused me to lose complete functional strength in my triceps and my grip. So...
0: It's probably not a good thing to lose when you're at therapy. No, because I highly <laughs> yeah. depend
3: on my physical strength <laughs> to and my fine motor strength, actually, not only just more of the gross motor strength that I need, but the finite for my tactile awareness um, in regards to my hands. And so I underwent the surgery, and thank goodness, I I actually regained my strength immediately after the surgery in the triceps. Um, but I struggled because a lot of my... Um, physical ability and tactile and sensory input for my hand was not there right away. And I underwent physical therapy, and I'm pretty picky, as you can imagine. Um, and so I the had- therapist, was the So it wasn't at the time, it wasn't <laughs> at the time, but he would have been number one on my list. Right, okay. um, but uh, my coworker at the time, Kathy Kushan, up in North Jersey, um, Was an excellent 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 therapist and we did a lot of dry needling a lot of strength training a lot of hands-on techniques that you know really i don't think i would be where i am now with the use of my arm and my tactile awareness if it was not for staying consistent with my physical therapy program Um, and it would have been very easy for me having the knowledge and experience that i do to be like I'll be fine, yeah. and I can work on this myself. Well, no, that wasn't the case. I needed to humble myself and say, you know, you ha- you know what to do, but you need so- you need to be in the hands of someone else to guide you there.
2: So you would say, so you would you concur with the uh, the old adage about attorneys having you know if an attorney represents himself, he is a fool for a client. Yes. So it's similar to oh, similar to, to completely, theory, yeah. completely.
3: And so um, <clears throat> it really also gave me a, an interesting perspective because i've treated so many patients over the years who've had neck pain radiculopathies or you know pain into the extremities um, and loss of strength and motor control things of that nature and i've always thought i was you know empathetic and could relate and we try our best to always relate Mm -hmm. to our clients our patients Um, but that changed my perspective when it happened to me because i really truly could understand like their pain and their limitations, and for that blink where you say to yourself, I might not be able to do the thing I love anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's a scary thing for a lot of people. Sure. So connecting with that has really changed my perspective. And I feel like it at least helps me relate and to people better even now more so after all these years. So it's, it was an experience that I'll take with me the rest of my life because I got to see it from a, a different perspective.
2: Awesome. So we're here with Dave Santa Maria and Kim Kukin, doctors, both physical therapy doctors, uh, Tinton Falls Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. Uh, you mentioned before dry needling, and uh, you know we're not gonna we're not gonna belabor that yet. But our plan is to have uh, monthly. Uh, podcasts with Dr. Dave and Dr. Kim, and we're in uh, the series is going to be Ice and Stim with Dave and Kim, uh, and we're going to get into some of those things uh, later. You know, talk about dry needling and its benefits and how it came about, so on and so forth. But uh, uh, good stories. Um, so what about CrossFit? What's your what's your what's your take on CrossFit? And and uh, uh, you know, and, and Rob, I think has a more a targeted question with regards to uh, other folks in in your in your industry other doctors and what their what their thoughts are with regard with regards to uh, crossfit but uh, generally speaking you know with the crossfit revolution what are your just just off the off the cuff what's your uh, what's your thoughts
1: well i am, i am a crossfitter so oh you are um, i obviously don't oh. think it's <laughs> that i don't think it's bad and i know plenty of pt's that are that crossfit as well yeah i think with any sport or um, yeah, any, any sport or athletic event you need to proceed with caution and I think if you have never played basketball and you went and did an hour of basketball I don't think you're going to feel that great or if you never have run in your life and you go run for an hour you might come out with something not feeling so good um, and I, I think it's the person or the individual needs to... I think it's a, it's a great sport because it allows the person to kind of create some humility and mm. recognize their limitations and they can kind of check their ego and put it aside.
0: How about when they don't recognize their limitations or they don't get um, humbled <laughs> or they you know, just continue on that path? Like, like for you as a PT what's your advice to a guy who comes in on a regular basis with the same injury, the same problems, and, 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 and the same, you know, because of the same issues, like, like, what, you know, obviously you're, you're, you're the expert. What would you tell them to humble themselves, essentially, and, and to check their ego? Like, what's something that you would, some, some good piece of advice?
1: I always say, unless you're a professional CrossFitter, then the purpose of CrossFit for you is to get you feeling good for all the other things you want to do in your life. So if you're doing CrossFit to help you feel good to play with your kids or to coach your kids or surf or snowboard or play tennis, then getting hurt while you're doing that thing doesn't make any sense. So your number one rule is to not get hurt. So if you're not... Do no harm to yourself. Do no harm, (laughs) I mean, technique and, and
2: procedure of lift over quantity right that's actually I, I i have a thought on that i mean you know i'm an older crossfitter uh and uh i i was <laughs> i'm probably one of those guys who had you know have a, a very difficult time humbling myself so i try to work through a lot of uh, work through a lot of pain and work through a lot of the injury and it's been detrimental to me if I, you know um Shoulder repair, my left shoulder, slap tear, supraspinatus, infraspinatus tears, uh, knee surgery, bilateral ACLs, I mean, you know, the list goes on and on. But one of the things that I tell people that come in and talk about uh, the, you know, how folks are getting injured doing CrossFit, I tend to think that CrossFit, if well, CrossFit was around when I was younger, that I wouldn't have these type of injuries because I, 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 you know, I think I've been doing things incorrectly my entire life. You know, whether it be whether it be pressing or or deadlifts or squatting that's probably and well, you also being,
0: probably weren't led by somebody who was, who was really trying to coach you through it as well Exactly that's my, point, squat, that's, that's my point that's my point you know
2: I was going off of what I saw in flex magazine or muscle <laughs> and fitness or whatever right you know so I was going off I was going off of that and thinking that that was the way to do it and all the while I was doing things incorrectly and what I tell our you know our clients or our athletes or you know folks that I might be coaching or training that day is that practice practice doesn't make perfect practice makes permanent you know so if you're doing something incorrectly and you keep practicing doing that particular movement incorrectly you're making it permanent and you're going to permanently do it incorrectly so for me I think that I mean not that I can get this round back in the chamber but years ago had I had you know if if CrossFit was around when I was growing up I think that I would have Probably CrossFit. Been, me? good CrossFit. A good, yeah, good CrossFit. Because there's bad, exactly. There's bad physical therapists. There's bad CrossFit coaches. Sure. You know, but I, I think that I would have been able to move more efficiently, and maybe not, uh, you know, sustain the injuries that I that I have. Do you think that that's there's any? Does that ring true to you, folks?
3: I think so. I two things. I think first of all, it's much it's much easier if you have a blank slate starting point. Okay, yeah. because mm-hmm. you know. Habitual things that we do over the years our brain, you know creates patterns and so After we do those patterns repetitively, it's what we're used to. It's what we know It's very difficult to break those patterns, you know, and it takes a lot of practices to break those patterns and then establish new ones. You know the, the good clean quality patterns and I think for anyone embarking on anything new I'm just pretty much elaborating on what Dave said is that You truly need to learn the fundamentals. And if you can get the fundamentals down, even if it takes you twice as long to learn it, it will give you twice the longevity, Mm -hmm. okay? So it comes to mind when you were saying someone keeps repetitively doing the same thing over and over again. And getting, you know, they're getting the same result. I think that's what the definition of insanity oh, yeah. is: doing the same thing over and over again and still getting the same result, and expecting a different one.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you can't, so, you can't you know. put a, you can't put a chimney on the top of the house without building the foundation. You know, so we have folks that come in and want to do a muscle up and not, and not. We were just talking about this yesterday, Rob and I, about a guy, you know, and it was done with, you know, tongue in cheek, but there was some publication that was talking about a guy who was. Help you know, hell bent on getting a muscle on getting a ring muscle up, but the guy can't do a can't do a strict pull up or a or a or a uh, or a dip, you know. So you can't perform those, which are which are it, so you know a crawl. exactly, yeah. You know, so uh, I think that a foundation needs to be built, and I think that you know, going back to my childhood, you know, I was squatting in in high school. I was I, in high school. I squatted, you know deep in the 400s, but I was doing... Well, like an two increment two inches down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, I was doing... I think if I did a calf raise, it would have been more, you know... More movement, motion, way yeah, more travel more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was still 400. Uh, anyway, uh, just... Uh, uh, you know, you know. Rob asked about like number one. We're thinking about uh, you know some advice for uh, for for people who are just entering in the CrossFit world or in fitness in general. You know, uh, and I think you touched on some of those things, so we're not not belabor it, but uh, uh, you know, building that foundation.
3: Another thing I'd like to add too, which I think is important, um, which I see come up with our patients a lot, um, is fatigue. So one of the things where injuries begin to occur is when there's fatigue and maybe you're not recognizing the fatigue because the ego wants to push you forward and there's got to be this really delicate balance between moving forward and and yes, we all have goals we want to we want to press to our boundary and sort of over but you also have to recognize the fatigue and if if the fatigue is there and you start to compromise your form or your ability to do something therein lies where your risk for an injury is more.
2: It's listening there's, to your
0: there's, body. There's a, there's, a, there's a very fine line between sure. it's it's kind of the same line, the, the cockiness and confidence line. It's like mm-hmm. right yeah on that same you know realm where if you if you walk it tightly you're gonna be good, but as soon as you bounce over that cockiness size things go wrong.
2: But in Rob, wrong. there's also a philosophy there's also a philosophy that I think that Rob subscribes to and I do as well there is a fine line there's kind of you know you kind of get into that groove. you get into that groove and whether or not you know and rob you can speak to this a little bit more cogently than i can but uh, uh you know there's a period during your exercise you know while you're exercising where the fatigue actually becomes your it, the fatigue can become your could be your friend from an efficiency perspective, right, I and mean, maybe talk about like how how yeah, you, 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 you become that, more efficient.
0: Yeah, you you have those those spaces in certain of the high the higher skill movements when you fatigue the the muscles that that are trying to do, to, to do too much, mm-hmm. and the ones yeah. that aren't necessarily the ones that should be doing the work. Especially guys who are old school weightlifters or bodybuilders have a have a tendency to muscle things up, and then you kind of fry those 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 secondary movers. In order to let the primary movers take over, and then they start to move well. So there, mm-hmm. there's a weird thing that happens with that as well. Yeah, like, but it's short lived. Obviously, you have to be yeah, you have to sit there and, and curl on what's on the going clean on. and a clean, Where, you know, you yeah, which I yeah, to yeah. Your legs and, yeah. and open up those hips right. all the way. You know, which yeah. is which I, I I've seen the best of both worlds. I've seen high rep cleans turn into really good looking cleans right right and then you've seen them
1: then it goes like go that really yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. they so start sure. off they could start off like you're a t-rex like i do it like yeah. i do like mm-hmm. <laughs> reverse curling well, i
1: think that's like the benefit of being in a really well coached yeah. box mm-hmm. like here where you know you guys are going to come over and say you know let's let's right. knock those 10-pound plates off because that form is it's, it's starting to slide a little bit so
2: right like and that to, that, to that point I mean there's been times where I've just told you know the worst thing you could do especially when you have a, when you have a workout for time, is to stop someone. you know like if they're doing something wrong, so if you see I've, I've done this before one of more of our younger younger athletes and just said drop the part 10 second like 10 second penalty. You can't right, pick right, that bar right. up for 10 seconds, and you're doing a wad where you're, you know, competing against everybody in the gym, and you're in a penalty box for 10 seconds. You know, it's like, okay, well, do it right. If, and then, you know, yeah, hopefully yeah. those little things will, will you know, uh, uh, cause them to conduct the, that lift in a more proper movement. And that's
0: where bedside mirror is important, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Because you get a lot of ego as they get hurt pretty quickly, so...
2: Yeah, try to check ego at the door. If we, if we had to check the egos at the door, we'd have one hell of a big closet down by the, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, what else do we have? Rob?
0: I think, I think I'd like to end on just a note, just some tip, quick tip you guys could offer up for the people watching this and um, that you can think of that you've seen recently of recent you the guys that come to you that are CrossFitters, what's something that stands out that you see a lot of, that you can think of just right now with the cuff, and I really really.
3: I think I'm seeing a lot of people who are coming to me with subacromial shoulder impingements.
0: You need to explain that in English? Yes. Okay. So um, a little pinching,
3: <laughs> a little, um, you know, our shoulder girdle mm-hmm. is made up of four joints and you have your rotator cuff muscles and it's kind of a tight space and there's a lot of muscles converging on one another. And um, the shoulder has mobility, a lot of mobility, but it also needs stability. And so um, in order to maintain the health of the shoulder, and the shoulder girdle, I should say. But um, the shoulder is not always, it doesn't act independently of itself. Um, The cervical spine and the thoracic spine, our mid-back and our neck, also play a huge role, the three of them together. Um, In the therapy world, that's called regional interdependence where you know, we're not looking at just one spot but all. And what I'm seeing more and more is that there's a lot of thoracic spine or mid-back stiffness and lack of mobility in the cervical spine um, and actual gross mobility of the neck in motion um, that is correlating with some of these, these impingements that I'm seeing at the shoulder. And the lack of control or stability in the shoulder blade or the scapula um, is also contributing um, a lot to the shoulder impingements that are going on, and so I'm seeing a little bit of a you know, an influx of that lately. Um, so making sure that we have good spinal mobility to support the periphery, um, the peripheral joints, um, and things of that nature um, is what I actually am trying to focus on a lot with the people who are coming to me with these kind of issues.
0: So what would you do primarily for somebody coming in with? Have issues. It something you would have Well, from a physical, th- yeah. <laughs> so, know myself, you know, I love
3: So, for myself, you know, depending on what's going on, but That's joint mobilization sure. is key. Um, identifying muscle imbalances, certain muscle groups that are inhibited versus certain muscle groups that are firing or very hypertonic. Um, you want to create that balance in musculature, and then retrain inhibited muscles to fire better and create those mo- movement patterns. Um, so that there's more balance actually across the joints and in the gross movement so for myself a lot of times we look we you know do a very detailed assessment we're going to look at where are the motion restrictions not only from a muscular perspective but a joint perspective joint by joint and when we find those imbalances we might do some dry needling and some muscle work um, with our hands to balance out the muscle system or different, you know, specific techniques in that nature. And then we also will do some joint mobilizations. And if it's applicable for the situation, uh, joint manipulation, which most people would know that as um, like a, a thrust technique. So that is typically what's in my bag of tricks. Um, and then obviously supportive exercise um, or postural training, um, which usually incorporates some kind of balance and proprioceptive training, um, because that's something that. No matter how well we move, no matter how 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 highly we train, it has to be incorporated into everything um, that we do.
2: So, uh, we're here with uh, Dr. Dave and Dr. Kim from Tinton Falls Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy. Uh, Dave, piggybacking on that, I've heard somebody say uh, a while ago, and I don't know if this is the exact words, but they said, uh, "If you think you know what the source of your the source of your injury is, you don't." So it's kind of what uh, I think. Kind of what Kim was saying is like. We have a lot of folks that, that are listening now, and a lot of folks that are that are clients that, you know, do go that extra yard to try to, you know, c- uh, conduct therapy on themselves. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, like you, you think it's your, you think it's my lat. Oh, I'm like, oh, my lat is, you know, my lat, something's wrong with my lat. So I need to get a lax bowl. I need to just go in there, crush my lat. When it turns out that you know I have a full thickness tear of my uh, uh, supraspinatus, you know, so it wasn't my lat at all. But a lot of the discomfort is being caused above or below chain. I think that's right. Is that how you yeah, yeah it, yeah. right? So yeah, talk a little bit about that. Uh, a little bit about that. So I think it's kind of on the similar track that uh, that uh, that Rob was uh, Rob was on.
1: I think a lot of times when stuff like that happens, the the person is treating the victim and not necessarily the criminal. Oh, okay. I so like that <laughs> you're, you're, you're getting symptomatic in an area, and, and that's the result of a mechanical dysfunction that's up or, up or down the chain at some point. So the shoulder is a really awesome example of that. And another pretty solid example of that is people getting knee pain. Knee pain, yeah. Knee, knee pain is a pretty common problem, or, right? Right, yeah, right. Either calf or, or <laughs> like hamstring. Yeah, right. yeah, so you're getting knee pain, and the mechanics of your knee is is not correct and that ends up coming from like a glute deficiency so you're getting more of an internal rotation of the femur where you need that glute that that glute medius and minimus to externally rotate that femur to keep that that mechanical chain working properly so it's another good good area where Somebody might be rubbing the inside of their knee, and yeah, that's where it hurts. But it's not the problem; isn't really there. The problem is up the chain. Sometimes it could be down the chain. And your foot's a little pronated, but more likely, it's it's coming from up the chain a little bit more.
2: So, at the end of the day, folks, you need to go in and see Dr. Dave and Dr. Kim before you start. Uh, Crushing yourself with lax balls or uh, or, <laughs> or, or foam <laughs> if, rollers. If, if
0: you keep crushing the same spot, it's not working. Go in. And right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. Stop treating the victim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right.
0: Cool. Well, thanks guys for doing this. Thank you guys. That nice fun. Thank yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah.
2: Wonderful. Thanks again, folks. So uh, Tinton Falls Orthopedic and Sports Physical Therapy, Tinton Falls. Thank you, Dr. Kim Kukin Dr. Dave Santa Maria,
3: and my partner Rob. That's
0: it.